You're listening to the Open Tab Podcast with Ani Sridhar and Mitch Lee. Welcome to the Open Tab Podcast. It's August 10th, and we've got a great show for you guys. We're going to have a debate to start off with, an MLB preview of who's going to make it to the postseason out of the AL, and end it with our Premier League preview since the season is right around the corner. Once again, I'm joined here today with my good friend, Carl Hill. How you doing, Mr. Sweetheart? It's, uh, it's been a great Thursday. Week's winding down. I think, uh, what you been up to today, though? Well, I woke up. I was going to go to the gym since, you know, I've been on my weekly gym grind nowadays since I'm an official adult. So okay. a gym membership is apparently one of the things you have to buy after you graduate. So I did skip the gym and decided to watch golf all day. Woke up at a solid 9 a.m., and caught the end of Jordan Spieth's 18 holes and saw the first 10 holes played by Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy, some of the greatest athletes on the planet. You could have been doing so many, like you you had like 10 hours today where you could have just been, you know, solving cancer or, you know, applying for jobs or, or maybe even like, I don't know, preparing for this podcast and you watched golf all day yeah i mean golf's a great sport so i was watching it all day and see, that is part of my preparation to see, watch this, sports oh my god so this bug this grinds my gears man golf is the furthest thing from a sport it is so terrible it is the most unathletic thing on t or show on television that's on espn we'll say that it's the most unathletic show on espn i i don't even think i can sit here and look at you while I talk while you say these things. It's the most unathletic thing on ESPN. How about eSports? You think that's athletic, Carl? It's better reflexes. Better reflexes in golf? Golf, you have no reflexes. There's Your your whole job is just to stand there and swing a club. That uses 17 muscle groups in your body to swing a golf club. It uses 17 muscle groups. I'm, I'm pretty sure it doesn't take 17 muscle groups to hit X or Y on a controller to play eSports. I mean, we're not here arguing eSports is a sport. That's just the name of that. But you said it requires more reflexes than golf. Yes, like reflexes, like quick reflexes. Absolutely not. Hand-eye the, coordination, hand-eye coordination, everything. It's faster. How quick a golf player has to swing that club, keep his eye on the ball, and drive it 300 yards? I don't even think I can look at you. I might get carried out of this library for, I don't know, like verbal assault (laughs) for the things I might say to you during this debate. All right, well, well, I'm I'm, I'm buttoning. I'm rolling up my sleeves right now. More reflexes than golf. That's unbelievable. Right. So I have to go with Marion for this one. Here, definition of he's a definition of a sport. Okay, all right, you're, you're, by the Marion Webster. Here it is. Yes. Definition of a sport: physical activity engaged in for pleasure. Also, sub definition: athletic activity requiring skill, physical prowess, and competition. You need skill to play golf. Absolutely need skill. You can't just get out there and swing a club like you want. There's a specific grip. There are angles. There's body movements. There's Precision involved. Physical prowess, absolutely. Someone that's stronger and has better form can definitely drive the ball further. They were talking about it on the golf channel today how someone with like thicker thighs is able to drive the ball longer because when you turn to swing, you need that lower half of your body to be more sturdy, which is why people like John Rahm can drive a little bit further than Ricky Fowler. And competition. There's competition in golf. 
obviously. You're trying to see who can finish four rounds of golf with the least amount of strokes, and there's a prize at the end of it. So it crosses off each checkpoint in what the definition of a sport is. But it also matches the definition of a game exactly. A game is something that anyone can do. It's just a mastery of some skill. There's, there's a competition in any games. Golf, my best comparison, golf is a glorified rich man's version of bocce ball. All you're doing is you're taking some projectile and trying to get it as close as you can to a certain target. In this case, they just made it really long and put it on green grass. Doesn't change the concept of the game. It's just purely repeating the same motion over and over again that, um, sorry, excuse me, repeating the same motion over and over again until you are eventually ranked or you finish first. So almost every sport matches the definition of a game as well. Uh, Which no. is why baseball is called, what it, is it baseball It's called the beautiful game? Is that what they call it? I forget. Maybe it's golf, the beautiful game. <laughs> but every sport is called the, yeah, a game as well. Yeah, golf is called the beautiful game. Yeah. So it's called the unwinnable game. Yeah, and baseball is a game. Basketball is a game. I would, I would say basketball The closest, well, basketball is also a sport. That's what I'm saying. These sports can also be considered a game. Just like golf. Golf is a sport and a game. Just like basketball. No, the closest no. comparison I have to golf, golf to is tennis a sport. Is tennis a sport? Okay, that's your comparison? If yes. tennis is a sport, golf is absolutely a wow. sport. Tennis that, is, that requires direct competition one-on-one, and you have to react to what the opponent does. And you have to react to what the opponent does in golf. If someone shoots in four strokes one hole, you have to beat him on the next hole so you can get your score better than his. Uh, no, that is not... You're not reacting to what he's doing. You're reacting to an artificial number. Like... Oh, this is a four. I need to do this. You can hit a. F- you don't. You can play golf by yourself. You can't play tennis by yourself. You can't play basketball by yourself. It requires, and 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 t- tennis is even an individual sport. Well, tennis is an individual sport. You have a coach, and I guess, and you have trainers, and so do golf players. Golf players have a coach and a trainer as well. So, but when you were saying that golf is just one motion over and over again, that's first of all false because. Golfers have different swings and different, like, approaches to different shots. When they're swinging off the tee, it's a completely different stroke than when they're in the bunker and they're using a wedge to get it onto the green. In tennis, there's only three strokes. You've got the forehand, backhand, and you've got the serve. Yes, there's varieties of the backhand. Maybe the backhand slice and the forehand slice, just like how in golf there's different, there's different clubs for different swings. Athleticism is required to get yourself in these situations. To get yourself in the position to use a forehand, to get yourself in the position to use um, a backhand, that requires athleticism and competition. Go- okay, I, competition. I will agree with you. Golf is not the most like physical sport, meaning like you don't have to be the most fit player in the world. But fitness does help in performing well in the sport, which I think the great example, makes it a definition the great of a sport. Great example is a guy named John Daly. He's, he's <laughs> famous for smoking cigarettes and being completely overweight and out of shape and drinking while playing golf, and yet he somehow is able to compete, compete with all these great athletes. I mean, if you can't see, because of podcast, I'm doing quotation. The sarcasm is coming out. But what the, you cannot call a sport where 42% of the average calories burned is by walking from place to place. You only burn, on average, 208 calories from swinging however many times you swing it. 
You know how much calories you burn in just an hour of basketball? 727. And an average oh, golfer burns about 721 calories per nine holes. No. For, well, not from the swing. I'm saying just in total. Of playing nine holes, they have burned 721. Yeah, and 42% of that is golf, is walking from place to place. But the other, what is it, 58% is from what? Just walking? Or no. from swinging? From swinging the club. Okay, so... So but the majority is from swinging the club. So in two hours of, we'll say nine holes is two hours. Mm -hmm. In two hours, what we were saying... They burn half of the amount of calories that a soccer someone playing soccer for an hour. Would if do, someone or is okay, just like the vague definition of a game. If you're playing a game, should you be able to get injured in a game? Are injuries part of a game? Yeah, sure. Like not? like in like chess. Chess is a game. Poker is a game. These are these are what I call a game. This is where like I'll say bocce ball is a game. Bocce ball. People don't get hurt that often in bocce ball. Okay, injuries exactly. are a thing. Injuries happen. Yes, but not as common as in golf. 88% of golfers get hurt every year. That's something that happens only in sports where physical activity... You can't get injured that often if it's not a physical activity. Um, yeah, but you can also play through it. it is, you can play through it. Tiger Woods won with a broken fibula. He had a broken fibula. You cannot play any other sport with a broken fibula. Kobe Bryant won game. games with a broken wrist. Yeah, a broken wrist. That's on as his offhand. But it's still basketball where you use your hands. Yeah, you use your hands, but a broken you can still catch with the offense. That doesn't. But but he still won with an injury. But you cannot win a game of basketball with a broken fibula. No, because the fibula is a key to playing basketball. Just you were saying earlier that a fibula, the legs are a key to, for driving length. Yes, but if, if you have, have a thicker broken thugs, leg, he definitely wasn't. Drive he far. definitely wasn't driving as far. But it doesn't mean you can't win if you don't drive as far. It just means. Exactly. It helps. So that, it helps you. That win. whole argument about athleticism is gone that you made, because you can win with it without being athletic. But you are better when you are more fit and more athletic. Just, the more fit you are, you are better. Can yeah. you? Are there instances where you can win when you're not a hundred percent fit? Yes. But does it help to be fit and more athletic to win? Absolutely. It helps in such a small percentage, though. It does. It's irrelevant because you can still win. Broken. Negligible. I still, I definitely still think that you have to be athletic to play golf. It's you can't just walk out there and start playing golf. It takes a no, certain amount of physical. Skill. It takes repetition of your swing. Yes, absolutely, and physical just, ability to play and stamina. You absolutely need stamina to be able to play golf. You do not need any stamina to play golf. You burn, you're burning just as much calories walking as you are actually swinging. It's also golf is played. Four days. That's how tournaments are. Golf tournaments. It's a four-day tournament, which means you have to play 18 holes for four days straight. That yeah. takes incredible stamina. Uh, no, it's not. Yes, you definitely need stamina. I'd say one. Have you ever walked 18 holes in golf? Yes, I ran a half marathon, and I'm not saying. Yes, and you have to do, sport. but you have to walk 18 holes for four straight days, and you have to play the game while watching a score because it's a competition. So there's the mental aspect of the sport as well. It's not just a physical game. There's a mental aspect of it. You're just describing a game. There's a mental aspect in a game. I'm, I'm saying that Do golf games belong in the Olympics? Uh, well, not anymore because they just added golf. Golf is a sport. The, the, the Olympic Committee has defined golf as a sport by including it in the Olympics. Yeah, and you know when the last time it was included in the Olympics? It was 1902. You know what was in the Olympics in 1920? Tug of war. Tug of war was considered more of a sport. 
But we're not golf. debating in 1902. We're debating in 2017 where golf is a sport now. Golf is not a sport because the Olympics. Should you be able play. to get college scholarships to play a game? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know how the Duke... I mean, you get the NCAA gives scholarships, athletic scholarships for golf. The NCAA deems golf a sport eligible to receive an athletic scholarship. If kids okay. are going to college for free to play a sport, it's golf. The kids are they're, not, to... they're not getting scholarships to play a game. They're going to play a sport. Going to play a game. What about um, what about archery? People get scholarships to play archery. Do they? Is that a thing? I won't believe it until you show me proof that people get scholarships to play archery. I might have been caught in the red on this one. I would consider archery a sport. Absolutely a sport. That's hand-eye. That's hand-eye, mind, and that's form, once again. That's physical ability being put to test. Just kidding. No, absolutely not. Oh. They are on the increase, so yes. They are on the increase. Yes. So are they getting scholarships yes. for archery colleges? Yes, division one athletes. Are there uh, division one at, at archery athletes? Yes, you have to have. Archery is in the Olympics. Sport. It's part of the um, triathlon and decathlon. No, they actually have just archery rounds. Oh, they do actually just have okay, archery well, as well. I, I think that we're not gonna get to. The, we're not gonna. No one's gonna concede on this one because we're both very passionate about how golf is just a game and not a sport. Um, so I think we should move on and uh, actually get into the open tap. Yes, I agree. But for those who are listening to this, tweet at Ani's323, or if you know me personally, text me your opinion. Is golf a game or is golf a sport? You've heard my argument. You've heard Carl's argument. I think both arguments can sustain themselves for what we each believe in. But... We can't come to a decision within ourselves or else we'll go on for like another two hours because Carl knows that my stubborn personality, I'm not giving into this. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking this argument to the Supreme Court. I'm not <laughs> that one. Like, I'm a firm believer of uh, how good Jay Cutler is, and he just got back in the NFL, and I know 95% of people that watch football will completely disagree with me, but I will go to bat for Jay Cutler. Until I die, most likely, which is kind of sad, but Jay Cutler's the man, but that's not what we're arguing here. Is golf a sport or a game? Once again, tweet at Street 23 or text me if you know me personally. But let's move on before we rip each other's hair out and get to this MLB playoff hunt because it's getting really interesting in the AL, and I honestly don't know what's going to happen. So it's, it's tight. It's not September yet. No. It's still a long way to go. My favorite phrase about baseball is, they're a hot week away. <laughs> they, there's a lot. The AL especially is a, I don't even know how to describe it, like a, a seven-layer dip. There's just so many teams involved um, in this <coughs> in this race. you got the Mariners making a comeback. Oh, they did take a, a bit of a hit when they lost uh, King Felix. Yeah. King Felix has never made it into the postseason. Wow, I, I actually did not know that. He shouldn't be called King. He shouldn't be called King. He's, he's never pitches this generation. True, I guess the name just sticks, King Felix. But never made it to the postseason. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the manager's fault. Yeah. Not his. 
So the Mariners right now hold that second wild card. The first wild card is the Yankees, but they're only they only have that by two and a half games over the second wild card. And the Red Sox are looking like they might, as of now, run away with that division. So yeah. the Yankees are gonna have to rely on that wild card. Yeah, and behind the Mariners, we have the Royals and the Rays, both the game behind. And then we have the Orioles and Angels. Uh, Angels are two games behind, Orioles two and a half. And then, wait, okay, no, the Twins are a game and a half behind in front of them. And then the Rangers are four games back, and the Blue Jays are five games back. And I guess a hot week away, the Tigers are only six games back. So they tail together like ten straight wins, which is... Highly unlikely because not just do they have to tail off wins, they have to pass like eight other teams to get there. So you can, I guess, take the Tigers out of the equation. But six games still means they're in it. Yeah, that is true. That's as long as you got to hold two more months. I guess about a month and a half. But realistically, I only see four, five teams here. So I'm not going to consider the Blue Jays, Rangers, or Tigers as a threat, especially now that the Rangers lost their ace. You I'm don't not even considering the Orioles. Probably. Yeah, I don't think the Orioles are really in it. But, I mean, they at least made moves at the deadline to make their team better, getting Jeremy Hellickson, getting Tim Beckham. But no, the Orioles were idiotic. Buster only gave them an F yeah. in his trade. But the, because they didn't trade. Didn't trade Britain. Or, or Brock. Um, Machado. Yeah. Machado's value is the highest it's ever going to be right now. They could have gotten so many pieces for him, and there was a market for power hitters. And he's a free agent soon. Yeah. He's a free agent soon. Not this year, but the next. Yeah. And it's, they just wasted that. They're going to try and ship, hopefully they're trying to ship him the offseason. But for this postseason specifically, they have the pieces where they could make it, especially with Britain coming back, I think, in a little bit healthy. They do have the bullpen that can shut down teams come the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, which is key in like a postseason race, you gotta have a good bullpen, which is why I think the Rays and Royals are having have a good shot here. The Rays have Alex Colome as their closer, and the Royals have Calvin Herrera, who are both really good coming in the ninth inning to shut out games. The Twins lost their um, closer Kinsler, yeah. so they're a little shaky come ninth inning now. Yeah, um, and but they are living off their offense. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you don't you really don't you I mean it's really just a matter if they can get hot but they definitely are are within a stone's throw of this. Yeah, one of my favorite hitters to watch is Miguel Sano. Oh yeah, Miguel Sano is a beast. Yeah, and he's young. He's really young, which is gonna be he's gonna he's gonna have a really bright future to like follow along as his career goes. But my predictions, honestly, I don't think the Mariners hold on to that spot. Yeah, with King Felix out, that is what is it? Five. He had. I don't, know, I don't know, but you could probably chop it up to three or four or five guaranteed wins that are gone now. Yeah. Um, I, I like the Rays. I Me think, too. I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm high on the Rays. And I don't think the Yankees hold on to that spot. Interesting. Why do you, why do you think the Yankees don't? Because the so-called unanimous MVP of the first half of the season has hit one of the biggest slumps I've seen in recent years from a, quote, star in MLB coming out of the All-Star break. He's hitting 182 five home runs and only 12 RBIs. It's not looking good for Aaron Judge. Yeah, Aaron Judge is struggling. It's the, the old adage is that the uh, the pitchers have figured him out um, and they they're the remedy supposedly to Aaron Judge is high fastballs. Who would have thought? <laughs> the man's not a big fan of high fastballs now. And so that's what the pitchers are beginning to start um, throwing at him and he is his chase rate has increased from 
17% to now 31%, which makes a huge difference on the amount of strikeouts you're going to get. Yeah, so Aaron Judge is struggling, and in my books, Yankees don't make the playoffs. Case closed. Okay. Just on pure offensive struggles. But on the ERA side, their pitching's actually improved. They have the best starting pitching ERA out of all these teams here, 3.78. That's their pitching ERA. They did acquire Sonny Gray. So yeah. if the if their pitching gets the job done, maybe the Yankees make it. But I think they fall out. See, for me, I like the Yankees in it, and I'm still holding holding on to the Royals. I'm hoping they can make this wild card. What do you What do you think about the Royals? I think that's what I think. The two wild cards are the Royals and the Rays. Okay, I got Yankees. In the I wild think card. one AL East team swaps for the other. It's highly possible that both the wild cards are AL East teams. Just like in the NL, it's going to be two NL West teams. Oh yeah, they have that locked up. So. I, I, the Royals' offense, though, is just it's a little bit inconsistent for me. Some days they'll go off and score eight runs. A couple of other days they'll get shut out for like only like two runs or three. But I like Mike Mustakis. He's having a great season. Home run machine. They, I mean, their team is very similar to the team that won the World Series offensively. Hosmer's still there. Lorenzo Cain. Salvador Perez. Mike Mustakis. So Escobar. Yeah, so that they can. They have the potential to make it. And I think they do. That's just the bottom line there. Oh, yeah. Um, I really, I do have a soft spot for the Rays um, just because of the amount of home runs they've been jacking out. Yeah. And they added Duda, which is just like, it's not the same level. It's basically just being like, we're the best Italian restaurant in College Park, and then they just hire a Italian chef straight <laughs> out of Italy just to make them that much better. It's a nit home runs in the niche. They just improved so much. Yeah, all the rookie pitchers and young pitchers and the Rays have really stepped up this season to give them a shot to here to make the postseason. Um, I think the Twins just got Jay Bruce. Um, I I don't know if it's the Twins. I uh, didn't really follow that a hundred percent to be honest. But the Twins' offense is really good. They can make them run there, but I don't think they will. Um, I don't like you said the Orioles. I don't even consider honestly a the chance. The Indians. The Indians got Jay Bruce. Uh, yes. Another team in that division. I'm pretty sure. Because uh, Michael Brantley went down and, uh, again. Uh, oh, he was out all last year with that yeah, injury. He, yeah, he pulled up with the and so they quickly got on the phone and made a trade with the New York Mets for Jay Bruce. Um, so can you explain to me why trades are happening after the trade deadline's passed? Honestly, I, I I don't know. I think there's a clause once players hit like waivers, they can be s- traded. Okay. I think it goes like I'm not 100% sure. I haven't really looked into the MLB like how transactions work after the deadline because I do know there's like September call-ups. I do know that where you can increase your roster size by one. So that's when people like teams will beef up their bench for postseason by Get bringing somebody up, yeah, from Get minor leagues or someone else for the bullpen or something, you know. So I do know about that, but I'm not hundred percent sure how players can get traded after the deadline. That I'm not sure of. But what great. do you think of the Angels? Mike oh. Trout's back. He's healthy. He's raking. No surprise there. But do they do they have it in them to make that push? So the Angels. I think they'll get some momentum from passing the Mariners. Um, however, actually, you know, because the Astros are struggling a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. If they can catch the Astros on, on a slide, because the Astros will be coasting and setting up the rotation. If they have the Mariners falling out of the table, you, uh, 
They could definitely make a push for it with Mike Trout basically just taking the team, uh, putting the team on his back. However, I do not see them jumping the Royals. What about you? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there. I think they could do it once again. You see, the thing is, like, it's August 10th, and playoffs don't start for like another month and a half. And this like table wildcard table could be completely different by the end of the weekend. After a weekend series here, like the Angels could be in that second wild card spot and the Mariners could be five games behind. Something like that. Like they're just all so close to each other. Like I know you don't like making predictions and I usually love it, but right now I'm not a huge fan of it even though we're doing it because it could all change like where teams are in a in a week. In a complete in a in a week. Yeah. yeah. Well we'll see because the Angels just started their series with the Mariners. There you go. Literally, like that's a three-game set. <laughs> Angels sweep the Mariners. There's a complete shift in the AL wildcard table, and that's another thing. The Rays and Orioles, same division, and Yankees, Rays, Orioles, all in the same division. Um, Royals and Twins, same division, and you've got the Mariners and the um, Angels, same division. So these teams will play each other often now before the end of the season, and those series are going to be huge, huge for playoff implications. All right, well, yeah. Um, I think. Do you hear something? Do you hear a little thing? Take off. All right. Since the Premier League is kicking off this weekend, I've got a nice guess who for you. This player scored 15 goals last season. He's played for three Premier League teams, and his brother subbed him out of the game last season. Oh wow. Okay, so I know the Lukaku's are brothers. However, Lukaku got 20 goals last season. It's not him. You know, three Premier League teams got me thinking Tremaine Defoe, but I don't believe his brother has ever subbed him out of the game. Ooh, um, um, what about... I could give you one more clue, but it might just give it away at that moment. I could just be like, all right, here, take this. Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss. Right, he's, internationally, he plays for the Belgian football team. But he, did, oh. he didn't play in the World Cup in 2014, but he did play in the 2016 Euro. Okay, so is this uh, a Chelsea guy? He he's never played for Chelsea. <laughs> I'm surprised you're having a tough one with this. Okay. I thought this I thought this was a gimme when I wrote this down. I thought it'd be an easy way to just transition in the Premier League here, but I'm kinda I'm kinda happy you're struggling. Wow. I guess the, the strikers are there's Dembele for Tottenham. Or he's not a striker, but he's Belgium. He's a midfielder. De Bruyne, which I don't believe he's got a brother in the Premier League. He I don't play, he's only played for two Premier League teams. Well, crap, man. I guess Dembele. Nope. Who is it? I'll give you one last clue. I'll tell you the three Premier League teams he's played for. Okay. Liverpool, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa. Oh, my God. Christian? Yep. <laughs> Christian Benteke. There's no way that guy scored 15 goals last 15 goals oh last season gosh. for Crystal Palace. I just named the three Premier League he's played for, and 
a game against, uh, I forget who, but Jonathan Benteke, his younger brother, subbed him out for the last six minutes of the game. They're the first Belgian brothers to play together in the Premier League. Yo, you got me. You really got me on that one. Yes, Christian Benteke so happy. goes back to haunt me again. Christian Benteke. And, yeah, 15 goals last year. That's impressive for him, I feel like. He only scored nine for Liverpool. Yeah, in I mean, 29 I think that matches. was more impressive than 15 for Crystal Palace. Nine for Liverpool? Yeah, because when he played for Liverpool, he was uh, completely not the right player for his system. When he played for Crystal Palace, he had Yannick Velassi and um, uh, Wilfred Zaha running Zaha, yeah. uh, running down the wings, just crossing balls in, and that's how he's able to eat, as we saw when he played for Aston Villa. But actually, no, Yannick Velassi got went to Everton. They had... Um, Townsend. Townsend. Good player. Good player. So Great win, guys. That Christian Benteke brings us to our Premier League preview here. I'm super excited because I finally have something to watch on the weekend that's not baseball. Oh, I cannot wait, Bonnie. Cannot wait. Tomorrow, actually, August 11, 2.45 p.m., Arsenal versus Leicester City, 2.45. We get a first look at Lacazette in a Gunners uniform. Are you excited for that? What are your thoughts on Lacazette and Arsenal? So I've been a big Lacazette fan um, with, since he first got on the scene at, uh, at Lyon in the Ligue 1. Um, he has got size. He's physical. His touch has improved so much, like his uh, technical ability around the box. I think this guy's a shoo-in for... I don't want to give a goal total, but a shoo-in for that starting number nine hole in Arsenal system. I think him and Sanchez are gonna uh, do very well together and uh, carry Arsenal for that to that fifth spot in the in the champ or in the uh, Barclays Premier League. What do you are you uh you big on Arsenal this year? Um, so we, I remember we were talking the other day and we did our predictions for our top six finishes, and I have a different list than what we did earlier just because. Of recent news, how Liverpool might leave, uh, or might let Coutinho go to Barca, but there are a lot of conflicting reports. It's not final. It was final. Now it's not. And so I have a, <laughs> I have two different standings. If Liverpool loses Coutinho, I have them sixth. If they hold on to Coutinho, then I have them at fourth, and Arsenal at fifth. Okay. So if Coutinho leaves, Liverpool sixth, Arsenal fourth. Coutinho stays, Liverpool fourth, Arsenal fifth. Okay, I like that. So uh, I agree. I, so that's like my my Liverpool contingency right there. But I think it's gonna be fun to see, like I said, I'm a, like you said, I'm a huge Lacazette fan. Like come FIFA, like I love having Lacazette on the wing <laughs> there. But it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Giroud now as well. How his role changes by bringing in Lacazette. I think like Sanchez and Lacazette are gonna have really fun playing with each other. Um, but once again, I don't see them getting over that hump, that Champions League hump, and finishing in the top four. Yeah, just like they, they played Welbeck up top a lot last year, and Lacazette is just a better version of Welbeck. So he'll improve their point total, but I think all the big guns have been uh, reloaded this year, and uh, with the point totals last year are going to increase uh, for that top. It's going to be harder to get that, that Champions League spot. So let's do our... Top six, starting from the bottom. So okay. let's see, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is uh, Manchester United. Okay, bold, very bold. Um, 
So Manchester is the richest club in the world right now. Um, they have one of the most toxic managers in the world, actually the most toxic manager in the world right now, Jose Mourinho. They have the most uh, high, highest paid players, Paul Pogba, and they just brought in uh, Romelu Lukaku, who um, apparently are friends. And then they have this, all these other players in there who are getting paid absurd amount of money. And I think all of these egos are just going to conflict and it's not going to be like last year where they were just like playing crap football and it was like the beginning of the process so they can play crap football. Now they're going to play crap football and it is going to deteriorate. Hmm. People are expecting them to get wins, they're expecting them to score all these goals with all these players and that's not how Marino plays. I think the, he'll lose the locker room and they will suffer. Okay, I mean that's that's your bold prediction, Man U at six. I'm pretty uh, after doing a lot of research and seeing what like experts think of the season, none of them have Man U at six. They think they're going to be much better, like uh, me as well. But hey, if they suck, props to you, kudos to you. You you know how toxic Mourinho can be. I know how toxic Mourinho yeah. can be as a Chelsea fan. But sixth, I have. Let's just say I'm gonna since Coutinho is still in Liverpool, I do my rankings with him staying. At Liverpool, so sixth I have Tottenham. I just it's no like shot to Tottenham like being bad. I just don't think they got much better than any of these other teams who added a lot of pieces to their squads to improve this season. So I think Tottenham comes in sixth. They did lose um, Walker, their CB to Man City, but you're a big fan of the guy that's going to step into those shoes. Oh yeah, Kieran Trippier. He's a young English back. Um, I think. I mean, obviously Kyle Walker is uh, the better player right now, but I think Trippier has room for uh, much more room for improvement. And if because uh, he's playing on the right, so I believe that's um, for uh, I forgot which center back plays on on that side, but both of the center backs are solid. I think it's Vertonghen um, is going to bring him along very well and uh, keep him in shape, yeah. and he'll just seamlessly fit in there. But that's who I have at sixth this year. At fifth, I've got Arsenal. We just talked about that. Yeah, I have Arsenal as well. Yeah, so we just discussed Arsenal at length, so we can move on to fourth. Fourth, I have Liverpool. As do I. Because I I think they're good. I just don't think they're better than the three teams I have ahead of them. Third, I have Man U. Team you have sixth, I have a third. I think not just bringing on Lukaku, but bringing on Nemanja Matic from Chelsea is really going to improve that midfield it's going to let Pogba really not worry about playing like front and back. He can focus more on the offensive aspect of his game, creating chances for Lukaku, which I think is going to benefit them a lot. And Matic is one of the best CDMs in the world, as I was able to appreciate for his years with Chelsea. So I think Manu's third. Okay, see, so I have Tottenham here. Tottenham was arguably played the best football of all last semester, or last year, and um, they... Basically, just kept the same group together, which is impressive with the likes of Real Madrid swarming around Deli Ali mm-hmm. and uh, Harry Kane. And so, all that's going to do is going to increase their chemistry. Um, and they're going to basically hit the ground running when it uh, comes to the start of the season. And that cushion um, and allow that continued success is going to uh, propel them into the third place. So, they're like your Memphis Grizzlies. They just, they just keep that same team almost every year, and their chemistry just involves, and they just end up somehow in that fifth seed in the West every single year. I'd even go back to, not to the talent level, but 
what yeah. what uh, Alex Ferguson used to do. Alex Ferguson yeah. rarely changed his team, and that's what Mauricio Pochettino is trying to start at Tottenham. So I know we're gonna probably vary here with our top two, just like how we varied with our third and sixth. I'll just get it out in the open. Uh, Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea brought in um, Bakayoko, huge fan. I think that guy's gonna help a lot on the left side. They brought in uh, Alvaro Marata. Oh yeah, at the top, the most efficient man in football. That's what we like to call him. Um, he had, he averaged scoring one goal in every seventy minutes he was on the pitch. It's goal a game. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I'm sure Ani would love to see him repeat that or get something close to that next year. That that would be beautiful to see Marata score a goal a game for us. Um, but I have Man City at number two. I think Man City. He's arguably the best team in the Premier League, but I think they'll come in second just because I'm a Chelsea fan, and we didn't really change much from our championship-winning team last year except for losing Matic, and we just brought in a replacement for him in Bakayoko. Fabregas is going to get more run time now, and we have a striker in Morata who's, a, as you said, the most efficient player in football. So Chelsea's gotten better, but Man City has also gotten better with Kyle Walker now in that center-back position, and Pep Guardiola's offense is really going to take off this season, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Man City come in first place. Yeah, so Man City is, I don't even think arguably, they have the most talent in the, on, in the Premier League in England. Um, however, I think Chelsea, my main argument for uh, City winning is the fact that Chelsea won the league last year, and it, as you know, it's just nearly impossible to repeat champions. Mm-hmm. It's harder than actually winning the championship. And because of that Matic loss, as you saw like with Leicester two years ago, once you lose that that staple down low, although they do, um, City, uh, what Chelsea did was they ran two center defensive mids, and they had really good chemistry between Conte and Matic. Mm-hmm. However, now that Matic is gone, there's going to be holes open in front of that pretty weak. David Luiz is going to get exposed this year because um, he's not a composed center back. And so I just don't see Chelsea being able to repeat. And so therefore, Man City's going to take that title. Yeah, that's a very fair argument. I'm very intrigued to see how Conte plays with Bakayoko and Fabregas. Well, Fabregas was there, but he obviously didn't see enough pitch time with Conte last season because of Matic. So I wish Chelsea will win the Premier League again as a fan. So I see my team go back to back. I'm actually sporting a... Chelsea kit right now. Is that a Drogba? Eden Hazard. Oh, Hazard. So, this is a kit they honestly rarely wore. It's sort of black and yellow kit. It's kind of like a little Borussia Dortmund action. But a team I'm looking forward to seeing that's not going to finish in the top of the table is West Ham. So, really? West Ham, they picked up Joe Hart, Zabaleta, Arnatovic from Stoke, and Chicharito. So, they added a lot of big guns to that team, and I could really see them getting better this season. Maybe, but they were pretty they were pretty down in the dumps uh, last season. They um, they lost Paye and after that they were basically when you lose your talisman, you have no no identity. They have Andy Carroll who's one of the worst locker room guys in the Premier League. Arnautovic is also a feisty mother Ever. Uh, mother Ever. Um, so it'll be. I'm not too excited for the West End, mainly because they're probably gonna 
beat Liverpool next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why you're not too high on him. But it's Chicharito is what I want to. I'm really intrigued to seeing when he played for um, Man U for three seasons. He scored double digit goals every year when he played for Man U, and he's been out of the Premier League a little bit now. He was with Real Madrid. Now he's back in the Premier League, and if he can get the double digit goals this season, West Ham's going to be. Better than what they were like. They were eleventh last year. They they were tied for eleven uh, tenth with West Brom, and they were only one point out of eighth. So I think West Ham finishes in the top of the table, top ten, top half of the table this year. Another team I think comes back into form is Leicester. They yeah. finished twelfth last season, and I'm really excited to see Kalechi Iheanacho. Oh yeah, I hope he uh, really becomes a star this year. Yeah, that young twenty year old. He scored 17 goals two years with Man City. Didn't play many games with them, but when he was on the pitch, you could see the talent he had. And um, they also have Ahmed Musa running right alongside of him. And Ahmed Musa may be the fastest player in the Premier League. He is. You can't teach speed, man. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And so him and uh, Iheanacho are perfect for that Leicester City um, system of counterattacking. Just him, Vardy, just burning people with speed. So I think Leicester finished 12th last year, similar to West Ham. I think both teams make that jump into the top 10. I think teams like Burnhamouth and West Brom actually drop out of the top half of the table this year and will end up near the 14-15 range. We'll see. You know who I'm excited to see? Newcastle. Yes, Newcastle is back. When Newcastle's back. Yes, Newcastle United is back. They have uh, Rafa Benitez Mm -hmm. um, at the helm who... Formerly managed Liverpool and Real Madrid. Uh, he is a t- tactician. He's like the uh, Popovich of, of soccer. He just gets these guys. He plays a great defensive system. Um, and it's impo- really difficult to beat. And he's really no- he's known for uh, for really just making make ends meet with whatever he's given. So this weekend, my Chelsea plays at 10 a.m. on Saturday against Burnley. But you've got the early wake-up call on Saturday at 7.30 with Liverpool taking on Watford. Oh yeah, my alarm's already set. You know, the beginning of the season is just a time for eternal op- optimism. Like, even if you're like a, a Huddersfield Town fan, like you gotta have faith. You're gonna win the league. Like, this is the, my favorite part of the year. And uh, so I'll be waking up to, to sorry, excuse me. I'll be waking up watching uh, Liverpool crack at dawn uh, with my brother. And you know, on it's not quite gonna be the same as the last time I saw Liverpool play live, which was. Uh, Liverpool Arsenal game in Anfield. Wow. In Liverpool. See, that's that's incredible. Did Lalana play that game? Because I know he's hurt now, but yeah, he did. So Lallana. you got to see Lalana play, which people won't even be able to see him on TV this weekend because he's hurt. You know, it's just the one of many for the Liverpool team. They are quite prone to injury. But what was that experience like? You know, it's got to be different than like a college basketball game or NFL game here. Oh yeah, so I walked in and uh, basically walked into you'll never walk alone and just. My, I had goosebumps uh, for throughout the whole 90 minutes. And then I watched, uh, I think it was one album, uh, seal the deal in the 90th minute with a goal uh, going away. It was unbelievable. Definitely probably number one on my bucket list. We can check that off. What else do you have on? What do you have on your bucket list, Ani? Wow, that's, that's actually a great question. Um, I want to go to the Olympics once in my life. I don't really have like a, like a ranked bucket list you could say like this is number one like if I do this I'll die happy it's more like just a just like a flurry of things I want to do FIFA World Cup absolutely 
want to be able to go see that live. I remember our friend Harry um, went and saw the FIFA World Cup live when uh, in, yeah. in down in Brazil. Yes. And he got to see the Euro when it was in France last year. So incredibly jealous of our boy Harry Colton. But um, Olympics, FIFA World Cup, NCAA Final Four, and I want to see a DC team like final. Like either that's either got to be the Redskins in the Super Bowl, Wizards NBA Finals, Nats World Series. That could happen this, could year. Happen this year. Could happen this year. Who knows? And I guess not really Caps. Caps are like on the lower end of the spectrum for me as a DC fan. But yeah, that's on my bucket list. What's what's the other three or four on yours? So for me, I want to be. I wouldn't necessarily want to go to a game, but I want to be in Europe for a World Cup or in a country for a World Cup. Yeah. Um, like, or the, for the Euros, like the team that's actually in the final, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, America's gonna get there twenty twenty two, but. Uh, for in, in Russia, I want to be watching a final in, in the in the home country. Um, so, like in a bar in Moscow, you want to be like that would be like crossing it off your bucket list. No, like if if Netherlands are in the final, uh, I want to be in Amsterdam. Maastricht or something like that. You yeah, know, watching. Yeah. Oh, dude, that'd be my dream. Yeah. Dutch in the final and me in Amsterdam, just like in a bar with all these Dutch fans. Yeah. Me and my Robin jersey going nuts. Um, and then I'd love to see a game seven of something. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like it could be baseball, it could be hockey. Like I want to see a game seven, just because it's the f- the culmination of these grueling seasons. And it's just a test of mental fortitude. Um, I also want to be in Chapel Hill uh, when uh, North Carolina wins the national championship again. I've actually been out of the country for the last two times they've won. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, but I've missed out on the uh, Franklin Street storming. And you know what, my uh, I think, I think it's a good way to close. You know what else on my bucket list? I want to play around the golf at St. Andrews. Wow. So, okay. So, <laughs> so okay. After like 45, 50 minutes of just grilling me about how golf is not a sport, it's on the bucket list of something you want to do. Hey, it is called game. the bucket list, of, bucket list of sports events that we want to do or get done, right? I do want to play a game at, in Scotland. I think playing a game in Scotland's fair. Yeah, well, yeah, put that on my bucket list, too. Maybe we'll go get a round, maybe we'll go shoot a round together, you know? That'd be a nice thing to do. And we have to go to a NASCAR race together. Oh, yes. That's something we have to Shot do together. Speedway, oh, it's the best time. Get some moonshine, mm-hmm. oh, it'll be great. But that is a great way to wrap up this show. Once again, tweet at Onistreet23 if you think golf is a sport or a game. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Next week, we'll be recapping the first weekend of the Premier League. Getting into some football because fantasy football drafts are right around the corner.